Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast with Mike and Laurent. Mike's not here, he's on assignment, uh, going to weddings, getting drunk, doing the things that Mike does. I am here alone in the garage. We are live, cross-streaming, cross-playing in many places. It's very exciting. I like to do the show live, especially when uh, we're on an off time. I know no one's watching, but that's okay. Uh, I don't mind it. Uh, the show will talk about the um, the great and powerful Community Shield. You know, the greatest, the greatest uh, non-eventful, eventful event of the year, and the Women's Euro. Uh, the season starts on Friday. The Premier League season starts on Friday with Crystal Palace and Arsenal. But Mike and I will likely chat about that. When will Mike and I chat about that? On Thursday, if he's back. If not, I'll sort of we'll give a little bit of a rundown for that. Um, the first thing to cover is the Community Shield. What is the Community Shield, you might ask? The Community Shield is, this, in essence, the Super Cup for England. Usually it's played between the team that has won the National Cup, which is a knockout tournament, versus the team that wins the league. Uh, it's been going around. Usually the proceeds go to fund charities around. And historically, it has not been a an important game. It's become more and more important as we have narratives and people fighting about players and new da, 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 da. and it's Liverpool versus Manchester City, which makes it a bigger deal. Um, so let's go to the game. This game was all about seeing Erlen Holland play for Manchester City. He did not play well. Uh, I'm not too concerned, but it was concerning. He seemed a little stiff. He seemed not to want to finish his presses, if that makes sense. Like he seemed to run to players and then slow down. Liverpool was sharp, probably on top of things for the first half an hour. City came into the game for the second half an hour. And then, um, but Liverpool scored a goal in the first half. You know what? I, let me just look at the full game just because I don't remember it. That's, that's how much I took it. Uh, I don't remember it off the top of my head. Right. So, oh yeah. Trent Alexander-Arnold scored a goal in the first 20 minutes. Really good goal on the half volley. Typical Trent Alexander-Arnold goal. Julian Alvarez in the second half, late in the second half, brought the game level in seven at 70. And then City, and then Liverpool won on a Darwin Nunez header, faded to the on, on a on a Mo Salah penalty handball to 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 Diaz. Fair enough. And then Darwin Nunez finished late. Very good. No problem. Uh, game over. The cat is letting me know he wants to leave the room and he will be let out. Go. Okay. One cat escaped. Uh, he's he's now running on the pitch of Main Road. <laughs> and so he's doing all right there. Just switch one thing up. There we go. Since I don't have mic, I can just put my own thing in there. Um, but, you know, it was more eventful just for seeing players play. Kevin De Bruyne looked sharp. Uh, Foden came on second half. He made a difference. I thought Jack Grealish was ineffective. Uh, this is a worrying sign. He tends to be ineffective. Uh, he really has to step up for City this year. There's a lot of players that are in and out of the lineup. He's being someone who's going to be relied upon. Holland wasn't good. He wasn't making runs. And City just didn't. You know, they looked like they weren't sharp yet. I do like Alvarez, and that's the great stuff. And then for Liverpool, they can be happy with where they are. I mean, they had a lot of preseason games. They did they did play, to be fair. 
they did play in fucking Australia, which is really far. And they get to lift a trophy and feel good about where their season starts. Listen, City and Liverpool, over three years, there's literally one point difference between them, maybe three. So we're talking about teams that are very close. And if they won the league, it wouldn't be crazy. I mean, it can happen. Uh, they, Frankly, they deserve to win another league. It's a great team. And so is City. Um, but, uh, you know, we, st- we get ready for the season. City are playing West Ham. Liverpool are playing someone who I have to look up as I go. <laughs> this this is this is how the show goes, right? You just kind of you just kind of search as you go and uh, do a lot of preparation, making sure you know exactly what's happening <laughs> with uh, your teams. Uh, Liverpool play Fulham, so they play the new boys. They're the Saturday early game, uh, the the conventional kickoff. That should be a win. You know, everyone's going to ease into it, and the season's going to start. And the whole thing's going to happen. And we're going to have the narrative and who's going to win the league and all these things that happen. And that's great. So that's where we are with the Community Shield. Anything else I can bring up about it? I didn't feel too good about it. Um, it seemed some things looked good. Some things didn't. Uh, again, my worry whenever Nathan Ake plays for City was there. On the left side, teams tend to attack, especially when it's he and Cancelo together. They are a weak wing of the they are a weak side of the field and everything was coming down that side from Salah although Salah after the goal slowed down he wasn't as effective uh it was nice to see Kyle Walker on the right a lot of things looked good and moved the way they're supposed to but just you know the cutting edge the connection between Holland and De Bruyne wasn't there Holland missed one gilded chance at the end one chance in the middle of the game so you know but it was different to see City playing with a striker, just that someone was in that middle channel just going back and forth in that space because City never have anyone there. Uh, it's different. It'll mean the buildups are less effective, but it should mean that someone is it should mean that someone is in the box doing the thing they're supposed to do. So yeah. And that's where that is. What else can I tell you about the Community Shield? Not much. It, it's not that important. There have been times when teams have turned down the Community Shield. If you look through the history of it, you get random teams playing in it. Like it, the game was played in Leicester's Stadium. It was in the King Power, not at Wembley. Why wasn't it at Wembley? Why wasn't it at Wembley? Because the Women's World Cup final, I mean the Women's Euro final was at Wembley. And that was probably the big game of the weekend. Germany versus England. City have a ton. Manchester City women have a ton of players on the English national team. Let me see. Uh, I want to get this number right because I have a point to make. Um, Let's see. (laughs) Oh, look at that. Google's got the whole uh, thing. That's shoots. That's pretty funny. That was nice. The current roster has one, Ellie Roebuck, two, Alex Greenwood, three, Demi Stokes, four, Kira Wash, who made the pass, Ellen White, Lauren Hemp, Chloe Kelly. The f- primary frontline players 
for the England national team are from Manchester City. So it's pretty exciting. And I have been following along on the, on the City national team. So I, I really like watching England play because I do follow City women, especially at the later stages of it. I mean, I root for the laundry and they look great. I really have a, an affinity for Ellen White, who usually was playing the striker position, but she's 33 now. This is probably her last major tournament. And it looks like uh, Russo and Toom will take her place. But she ran her socks off, didn't really get the goals, but that's okay. Uh, her her and um, – oh, who's the other one? Her and Jill Scott were the two older players. Jill Scott has spent 10 years at City uh, as, our, as our holding midfielder. Yeah, 10 years. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, almost 10 years at City uh, trying to hold on, and she played – a key role at the end, and they both sort of hogged and made sure that sit that that uh, they were represented. And I, I'm loath to sort of you know defend my team and its Arab ownership and whatever, but I do want to give another piece of important context and important information here. The English women's team was funded, and I want to give Arsenal a lot of credit by players from Arsenal who Arsenal invested early in women's soccer and were the flag bearer for the WSL and all professional semi-pro uh, English women. But once the WSL was created, and I don't know how long it was, like five, 10 years, and Eng women's English soccer became professional, Chelsea and Manchester City, the two teams that we think of as villains and you know their oligarchy, sport washing, whatever. You can say that, and that's fine. But frankly, those two teams spent the money, and it's a small amount of money. It's, you know, you don't have to spend $50 million on your team because it's women's soccer. Your dollar goes a longer way. You're just, you're just telling players you can have a job. You don't have to have another job. You can, we'll pay you 50 grand a year. These women are playing for regular wages, like normal people that just happen to be able to be professional. That's all they ever wanted, right? They can say from, you know, all through their 20s that they were making 80 grand a year, or 100 grand a year, or whatever, whatever it might have been to play football like they wanted to. And Chelsea and Manchester City were the ones who funded that. And we can say what we want about Abramovich. You can say what you want about Manchester City. The fact is England and its team owes a modicum of gratitude to those two clubs that saw the opportunity in women's football to brand their teams as their respective clubs, Chelsea and, and, and Manchester City. And by using their clubs and expanding the reach of their clubs by, with women, they grew and they took on uh, PSG and they went to Europe and they tried to win the Women's Champions League at the all the things that have been happening with Chelsea and Manchester City on at the men's level, City and Chelsea have been going to war at, in the women's side. Chelsea almost won the Champions League last year with Emma Hayes, the charismatic coach who's been on the women on the sideline for for uh, ESPN doing the commentary or doing the studio analysis. She's the sort of looks like Barney Rubble with a wig on, got the thick accent, but she's a real football lady and she loves football and she's 
so great at communicating the game to people. And she's the coach of Chelsea. And uh, the coach of NYCFC in here in MLS was the coach of the Manchester City women's team. So this is an investment that's been going around. And sport wash all you want. But we have to give credit. Those clubs saw the opportunity in women's sports and paid the money to professionalize those teams so that those brands and those shirts could reach new audiences, women. Okay? So I don't want to hear... I want to hear at least credit. And they both dragged their respective opponents into the game. Manchester United didn't have a women's team. It had been completely defunded. Liverpool still doesn't have a good women's team. And they're only funding it now. Like I just went through the through the team. I just went through the English women's national team. And there's not one Liverpool woman on the roster. There are two for Arsenal. Sorry, three for Arsenal, two for Manchester United, and the rest are Chelsea and Manchester City. That just goes to tell you that the three clubs, actually, it has it right here, four Arsenal, one Aston Villa, four Chelsea, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Manchester City, three Manchester United. So it's a big deal. And the goal scorer, Chloe Kelly, who emphatically charged around with her shirt off, is a Manchester City player. So it's Manchester City that's funding this team and scoring the goals. So I just want to call that out because I think it's really important that my club get some credit. Whether Qatar has human rights, whether the UAE has human rights abuses or not, they, as a club operating in Europe and Western society, do value and treat women with respect. Whether they can do that in their own countries, I don't know. But I do know that Mul- uh, Sheikh Man- uh, Khaldun, who is the CEO of the Citigroup, it went to Tufts and is very American and very Western. And whether he can do get influence his country to be that way in the UAE, I don't know. But in England, he operates as a Western, as a Western. Um, executive whatever however you want to take that so that's my big take for the women and i was really proud and it was really great and i think it means a lot and i think england will play the women's team and they'll be favorites or at least co-favorites to win the world cup that's coming up next year which is amazing because we had all the backup of all these schedules we're having this women's euro and then the world cup again next summer so there'll be a lot of momentum around women's football and as much as we don't cover it all the time on this podcast know that Mike and I follow along. We are checking it. We are monitoring it. When there's a big story, I try and bring it up. You know, I like to talk about the Barcelona women's team. I liked because they were undefeated. They were incredible. We should, they, we, we lauded them as the greatest team in the world. I like to check in on Ellen White and see how City are doing in the Champions League. I like when there's a Manchester derby and the girl and the women play each other. It gets nasty. Those rivalries come, and I hope that Liverpool women will will rise up because Everton have done well. It's a place that Everton is hanging in there and we'll see how, what happens there. So other news around. So we had the Community Shield, which we handled. We talked about there's a narrative around is, is Holland going to be a flop? Can City play with Holland? Let's temper that. I think he'll be okay. Uh, Liverpool or Liverpool, you know, the same same narratives. We're going we're gonna to fight again. We're going to go again. Um, other pieces are around transfers and dealings. Uh, Chelsea's doing decent business, but 
seemingly striking out and missing and having Barcelona hijack things. They're still working through their structure of Burley, Bo- Todd Bowley, and and um, and Tuchel, and Tuchel's sort of being his frank German self, where he's making bigger issues, attacking Werner, saying his team can't win, and, and all these sorts of things. Then we have the Spurs and Arsenal feel-good narrative, where Conte making great deals, the team moving forward, and Arsenal just whooping ass. Gabriel Jesus in his last um, uh, preseason friendly had a hat trick. The Arsenal optimism is rising and rising, uh, which I like, which because that means that um, it can fall and we can get some good Arsenal fan TV. It's not good that they're winning. It sucks. Uh, our friend Martin Odegaard has been named captain of Arsenal. We expected that. We expect a big season from him. Um, you know, for for someone like me, who you know, follow City and, and it hurts me and I watch it and it's big and blah, 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 blah. You know, my team is pretty ho-hum. The, the stories aren't as interesting for City. You know, when we lose, it's a failure. When we win, we're supposed to. Sorry. When we lose, it's a, it's, we choked. When we win, we're supposed to. What, you know, so we don't, we can't win either way. Um, but for the other clubs, I think there's so many great stories that are flying around everywhere, right? got Arsenal getting back to Wenger levels with optimism, with a young team. We have Spurs with their professionalism and grit and drive bringing in by Conte, uh, Conte, Conte, Antonio Conte, uh, pushing the team forward and trying to make winners out of them to try and be anti-Spursy. I know it doesn't mean anything, but these are narratives. They're not real, but stories matter, and that's how we refer to the team. Uh, we have the ongoing soap opera of Manchester United who are not getting deals over the line or are, but they're not that good. There's no Frankie de Young. What are they going to do with Ronaldo? They're making up stories that literally said, oh, Ronaldo left the game early when in fact half the team left the game early, Ronaldo being one of them. So they all knew this was happening. So we're getting a lot of the fake news stuff that happens. I mean, fake news happens in sports more than it does in real life. It's crazy. Like everything's fake. It's not, none of it's real. So we have that happening. And then we just have the season kicking off on Friday with Crystal Palace. And, you know, we're not hearing that much about the other teams. And I'm sure as the season goes along, we're going to get a lot of new info. We just had a weird signing of a young player, no, Chikwamakwe. I probably ruined his name from Aston Villa. One of these young players that won the U19 World Cup for England, just all of a sudden transferring to Chelsea. And that's a money thing and it's weird. And so these are the kind of little on the margins moves that we don't really hear about because they're the the 20 to $15 million transfers for the teams outside of the big six that they just kind of move along. But these players and these teams become part of the narrative. And I expect that as the season moves along, we're going to start hearing about more of them and more interesting things. Like, did we say that Jesse Lingard went to Nottingham Forest? That's kind of a big deal. Nottingham Forest has a really good window, have a really good coach. They're a new team. They bring the ghosts of of Damned United's um, – uh, uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, the coach from Nottingham Forest There's a lot of history in that club. We have second year Jesse Marsh. He brings in two Americans, Tyler Adams and Aronson. Both play for Leeds now. So there's a lot of stories that we're going to shape and be part of the system as we go along. The relegation battle will start to come up really quickly, and we'll start to see what's happening there. 
and um, we'll go from there. And I think Mike will probably join me again on Thursday. But rather than go too long by myself and um, and waste my breath, I'll just say, everyone be patient on Holland. He's going to score his 20 goals. Congratulations to the English women's team and the Germans who played really well. Football did come home to England. This is a European championship, so it's a big deal. And lastly, I'd say your mother's in effect. Anyway, I have no mild, I have no very offensive things to say. Oh, I should talk about, um, no, we'll tell more stories. Peace. The show is made. Goodbye.